All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys today. Welcome to New Life Church. So good to see you guys today. So good to see you. We are entering into what is called the Advent season, the Christmas season, the time where I blow up with the microphone. Yeah. Uh, the time that we enter into of hopeful expectation of Christ's coming. And uh, so we are going to be starting our new series today. And let me invite you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. As we start a new series, as James told us, called Uncluttered Christmas. Uncluttered Christmas. We're going to be looking at the classic story of Christ's birth and in a way that just kind of reminds us to intentionally unclutter our hearts and our thoughts and our vision uh, to really just remember this profound yet simple message of Christ come to us. It's been in the works for a long time when it happened, and it's been in the works ever since his death and his burial and his resurrection for him to return again. Just in case you need to be reminded, he has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you in your, in your story. He has not forgotten you in your pain. He has not forgotten you in your, in your personhood of life right now where you may be. Uh, though it may be dark in your world, it was dark at the time that he came. And that is why he came to bring light and to bring life and to bring hope. So take heart to that. That is part of the essence of his story and his birth and his coming. And we're going to look at our main text here found in Matthew chapter 1 today. And you can follow along on the screen as well with these verses. We're going to be looking at Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. It says this in verse 18 of chapter 1. It says this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin... She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, it's a very key comp component of this text, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet Isaiah, who said this, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. And he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, we are here, Lord, with many things on our hearts and many things in our minds, many things happening in our lives. And we are so thankful that you were able to 
look through everything and sort things out and, and help us right where we need the most help. As we take intentional time to focus on you, to look to you. And Lord, today as we do that, I pray that this story, I pray that it would not become so familiar that we would forget the powerful essence of what it is about. So today, Lord, if this story has gotten stale or forgotten, I ask and pray that you will allow this story to rise up within us and resurrect out of us to bring to us what we need in our moment of life right now as we look forward throughout this Christmas season. Jesus, come. Be big in our life as you were big in a, in a birth announcement. Be big in our life now. Help me to deliver your word in a way that will help your people and will bring you honor and glory through all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. The song, Joy to the World, sound familiar? Sing it often throughout this holiday season. You'll probably hear it not once, but probably 1,200 times. Uh, on the radio, on CD, on Spotify, on Amazon Music, in church, and at school programs. Uh, but there's a part in that, in that song that says, Let every heart prepare him room. The writer of that song, Isaac Watts, wrote that about 300 years ago. And it's amazing that I, th I think he stumbled upon some irony in that. Even 300 years ago in 1719, when life was not as busy as it is today, or was it just in a different way, he wrote to remind us to not forget to unwrap the greatest gift of all. That we take the time to be intentional about the gift of Christ that has been given to us. In Luke 2, the Gospel of Luke, he, he adds some other, uh, shed some light on some other layers of this Christmas story. And um, Joseph and Mary, he tells it, had to go to Bethlehem because that is where Christ was born, but he had to go to Bethlehem because there was a census taking place and they had to go register. And it was while they were there in Bethlehem that in verse 7 of Luke 2 tells us that Mary gave birth to Jesus, that she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and then laid him there in a manger. They were told, hey, there's no room here. We're all booked up, all booked up for the holidays. There's no room, no place for you. Hey, but we do have a stable out back. Perhaps that will suit you. And there they were. And it was there in a stable where Jesus would one day be affectionately known from his cousin, John the Baptist, as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was born in a stable. Mary then wrapped him. She had the privilege of wrapping the greatest gift to mankind. And then laid him there in the manger. That was the one, that Christ child, the one who would one day grow up and bear upon himself all of life's lows, all of life's blows, all of its wounds, all of its scars, all of its tears, all of its sins, 
all of its illnesses, all of life's sorrows, all of life's griefs, that little baby would one day grow up to take it all on himself. Born in a stable, wrapped in cloth, laid in a manger because, well, because they were told there was no room for them inside that inn. Now, I kind of allowed myself to have a little bit of imagination with this particular part of the story. That inn missed it. That inn could have been famous. In Luke 2, it tells us not the name of the innkeeper and not the name of the inn. It just says there was no room for them in the inn. Perhaps, maybe the lesson from that is when we fail to let God in, we miss out on our identity and we miss our destiny. And that end could have been, I mean, they could have been put on the map. I mean, that, did you imagine, that story of the birth of Christ could have put them on the map, but they missed it. Perhaps, perhaps they got caught up in the busyness of the season with the census taking place. Or perhaps they also might have gotten caught up in their own personal gain and what they wanted at the time. That they just said, you know, it's easier to say no room here as opposed to go through maybe a little extra trouble and pull out a little cot and put them in the corner, if that even could have happened. But they said, no, no room for you in the end. And they missed an opportunity. Now, they didn't know they were missing the opportunity. They just, for whatever reason, failed to open their door. And make room. I read recently in a devotional that the antithesis to fearing God is forgetting God, not denying Him, not offending Him, but simply omitting Him. I know many of us, most of us here today, probably wouldn't even dare think about denying God or offending Him, but we can be guilty sometimes of omitting Him, not preparing Him room in our everyday, ordinary lives. We, we do real good when it comes to big spectacles and showcases and spotlights and we pull out the red carpet on certain occasions, but Jesus is not interested in just those moments. He wants to be with us in every moment, our everyday, ordinary life. Like the inn, we too can be guilty of getting caught up in the busyness of the season and those Amazon boxes, James, you can just send them over to my house. I'll take I'll take that load off of you, that burden, especially if you got like an Apple Watch or something in there, you know, that would be cool. But we can all get caught up. We can all get caught up in the busyness of what this season says it's supposed to be about, especially if we allow ourselves to be driven by the market of society and not by the measure of Christ's Spirit. We can all get there. We can all get, like the end, we can also get caught up in just in what we are trying to get accomplished. With good intention, nonetheless. I mean, we got a list, and we're checking it twice, and we're going to see who's... Wait, somebody else is supposed to do that, right? 
May I get on the nice list? May I be on the nice? We don't want to be on the naughty list, right? But we can all get caught up in that. But here's the thing, folks. Religion says condemnation on you. Religion says condemnation on us for getting that way. But here's the reality of the gospel. The gospel says there is now no for, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because here's the thing. There was a person who struggled with this very same thing. Who struggled with making room, preparing room for the Lord. It was Joseph. Yeah, jo- that Joseph, the one who was the earthly father of Jesus, struggled himself with preparing room for Christ Jesus to come. So we're going to have struggles with it. It's just we've got to get ourselves to the place like Joseph finally got himself to, to say, you know, I'm just going to open up my life and I'm going to prepare him room. And that is the title of today's message, Prepare Him Room. We're going to look at this story a little bit closer in these next few minutes. Um, and we're going to look at the direction that Joseph's life went that we can take some cues from, that we can learn from in preparing Christ room. Because like I prayed earlier that I woke up praying this prayer that I prayed earlier with you, and that is that this story, may it not become so familiar to us that we forget what it's really about. Because we can all, we can all get caught up in things. Joseph was getting caught up in some things, and we're going to look at that today. So prepare him room. I've taken the liberty of taking the word room, making an acronym, because that's how my mind works half the time, to help me remember things. And we're going to break that word room down. Joseph, to prepare room for Christ first, pretty obvious maybe to us, is that he removed some clutter from his life. Anybody like thinning out their house, thinning out clothes, thinning out kids' toys, thinning out old gifts and re-gifting gifts? Hopefully you don't re-gift it to the person who gifted it to you the first time. I've been there before. Boy, that's not fun. <laughs> and Joseph had to, re- he had to remove some clutter from his life. And according to Matthew, he He's in this, he's in his, right in the middle of life. He's got a big plan in place. He's going to marry, marry, and, but he finds out she's pregnant with a child that's not his. Um, he's a good guy. The Bible says he's a good man. He's like, I don't want to cause any trouble for her. I really just don't want any attention at all. I just kind of want all of this just to kind of leave me alone and I can go on with my life. And it says that he stopped and he considered what he was doing, considered everything. You see, Joseph found himself at a crossroads. He was considering all the different scenarios. You see, the law was presenting itself to him as, hey, you have every right to stone her to death. That was the law back then. That's crazy, but it happened. Uh, You could serve her a bill of divorce and have two witnesses and hopefully they will keep quiet about it. He was contemplating, you know, what will my family think? What will, what will the people around us really think about what was going on if, if, if we go through with this? This is crazy. And so he had to get to a place where he could, he could really understand what he needed to do. He was at a crossroads. Anybody ever been at a crossroads in life? Come on, anybody ever been at a place where... 
you know, you're standing there and you're looking all around like, which way do I go? How do I handle this? How do I approach this? What, what do I do? I think uh, we could listen to the, um, to the words echoed by the prophet Jeremiah. Look at his words in Jeremiah chapter 6 and what he tells us. He says, this is what the Lord says. When you're at the crossroads, look around. Ask for the old godly way and, and then walk in that. Travel that path. You will find rest for your souls. When you're at a crossroads, when we find ourselves at not knowing what to do, says stop, look around and then ask. Pray, ask the Lord to show you what do I need to do? What would I need to accomplish in this? Which way do I need to go? And then he says, travel the path that he shows you, the old godly way. You know, that way is old and godly because it doesn't, it doesn't let you down. The old godly way never fails. It may not be the most popular route to take. May may not be, you know, the fastest route when you GPS it on Google Maps. You have three choices usually. The fastest route, a little bit of a, a little bit of a roundabout way, and then a real scenic route. And you just pick which one you want. And God has a way he wants our life to go. And we just need to stop and consider what he would want for us. If we're going to make room for the Lord, we need to stop and remove clutter in our life. Sometimes we just need to stop and consider, rethink, rearrange, refocus so that Christ can have room in our lives. I think we probably can feel what it's like when we're not making room for him. We get eaten up with irritation. Uh, we get heavy with frustration. Um, we, we, get, we get so burdened with a lot of anxiousness. Our thoughts are cloudy. Our vision about our outlook on things, man, it's almost kind of like everybody else is the problem, not me. Those are some signs that we're not seeing the old godly way correctly. And sometimes we just need to stop like Joseph did. He had all of this weighing in on him, had all of this pressuring him, had all of this pressing in on him, and he had to stop and consider and ask the Lord, what do I need to do? What do you want me to do? And we just need to do that from time to time. This is a perfect time as we are entering in this threshold of Christmas. It's a perfect time for us to stop and rethink and rearrange and refocus ourselves so that Christ can have room in our lives. Our two youngest girls share a room. They have bunk beds that we're trying to get. They're getting better at staying in those bunk beds at night and not finding their way to a bigger bed, our bed. We didn't get a bigger bed so we can have more of them in our room. We did it just to be able to just have our space and enjoy a comfy night's sleep. But they share a room, and in their room they have toys that they have been privileged to have, that we have been privileged to buy, that uh, grandparents have been more than, oh gosh, how do you say it, just spoiling them like crazy with... 
But here's a, here's a common rule we try to practice with our girls is toys in their room, on the floor level, they play with. If they have other toys in their closet that are up on the shelf, then if they want a toy or a big item in the shelf to come down on the floor to play with, we tell them something else on the floor must be picked up and replaced it on the shelf. So if you want to have something from the shelf to play with down here, then we got to take something down here. You pick it, and it's got to go up there. In other words, we have to make room here if you want that to come here. That we're not going to allow your room to get so cluttered that you can't even walk through it. Although that happens. I'm not here to tell you we're perfect at keeping our rules. Uh, Sometimes things happen. And then the toys they do have, we find out they had some more hidden under their bed. And more come out to play and don't get put back up. And so you're going to take take them to bed at night or walk through there just to help them pick out some clothes. And you're tripping over this and tripping over Barbie, tripping over LOL stuff, if you know what I mean by that. And and so anyway, we have a day of the week where you've got to clean your room. Usually on a Saturday that happens, or on a Sunday that happens. And yesterday they cleaned their room yesterday, and you can walk through it and don't even you can walk blindfolded and not have to trip over anything. Uh, it doesn't last long, but it happens. But to, we we have to be able to do that with our life. Our life can get so cluttered up that we can, we think we can take on more and more and more and more and more. And we give ourselves to things. We book our calendars with things. We overextend our checking account with things. We overextend a lot of stuff about our life, but we don't make more room. Instead, we pile it and pile it and pile it on. We have to stop to rearrange. Our life, because you and I are not meant to be able to carry everything. What are some things in our life that we just need to put away and make room for Christ? Maybe you've got some voices in your life that you listen to way too much. You give your attention, your ear to too many voices and allow too many personalities to speak into your life. You, you, need the, you need the opinion of this person, the opinion of that person, the opinion of Twitter, the opinion of Facebook, the opinion of news, the opinion of this magazine, the opinion of Snapchat. The, you know, in all of these different opinions and thanks to social media, we are inundated with all of these voices all coming to us at once. And sometimes we just don't know what to think for ourselves. We think what everybody else thinks. That's the life we live in, an age we live in. Maybe we need to silence some voices in our life so that we can hear what the voice of Christ sounds like. Maybe maybe we just need to um, not be the superhero to everyone else's problems. Not that we don't help shoulder and carry the burdens of one another, but you and I are never meant to be the savior of one another's souls. We can help, we can encourage, but many times we cross the line and we get too many burdens placed on us because we allow it to be that way. And instead, we're supposed to point people to Christ, point people to Jesus. Or maybe we just have some clutter of our own drama that we create ourselves because we just like to have some action going on and we are addicted to drama. And we create 
problems so that we can have problems, so that we can feel like there's a problem I can solve. And I know it's, it's not in this, in this sanctuary today. This message is for everybody else out in the world who didn't come to church today. But we all have guilty areas of our life that we allow to stack up. And we've got to do what Joseph showed us, and that is, hey, if we want to make room for Christ, we just got to get down to it and say, let's remove some clutter. Amen. A couple amens, good deal. Joseph. The second thing he did was he opened his heart to God's will. He opened his heart to God's will. He, the angel said the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. So he perhaps was going to sleep, taking a nap, going to, you know, just kind of give it some space. And the Lord gave him a dream and said, hey, everything that, that you've been experiencing so far, you're not out of your mind. I know it sounds crazy, but it is of the Lord. Mary is going to be your wife. And Yes, she's pregnant, not with your child, with the Holy Spirit. And you're gonna, he's, gonna, he's gonna be born. And then, hey, you're gonna name him. You're gonna name him Jesus when he's born. And it was actually prophesied a long time ago, many hundred years ago, by prophets and Isaiah being one saying, look, this is what's supposed to be. And you're the pick. Ta-da, you're the pick, Joseph. Your family, you've been picked. You've been chosen for this. You know, here's the thing about God's will. God's will may not be what we thought, expected, or planned sometimes. And Joseph found himself in that position. This was certainly not what he thought, certainly not what he expected, and most certainly not what he planned. He did not plan for it to be this way. I'm sure he planned to have a family one day, but he didn't plan to be the earthly father of the Son of God. Who plans for that? He didn't plan it this way, didn't expect it this way, but he came around to a place where he just said, you know, I'm just going to open up my heart anyway, God, when I don't really understand it all, and I'm going to trust that you're gonna, you've got a plan to work it all out according to what your will is, not my will. And that's what we do. That's what we have to find and get ourselves to be in that kind of place when we don't really get it, we don't really understand it, we're not sure to how to even embrace it, but just to open our heart to let God in and then let God sort things out, let God plan things out, let God work things out because he's perfect at that. Look at this verse that Isaiah, and one of the prophets actually spoke in Isaiah 55, verse 8. He said, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. And just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Seems to me that what we're being told here is that God knows more than we do. God knows more than we do. And when we just open up our heart to whatever God's will is in any part of our life, our soul will find the peace that it needs. You know, his will is not always what we want because our wants are not always his will. And Isaiah clearly tells us that his thoughts and his ways, they're far beyond ours. 
in our life, there's this struggle for control. There's this struggle for wanting to know everything. And there's this struggle to have it all work out the way we want it to work out. And a lot of times, things happen that way. A lot of times, things work out pretty good by general standards, by the way we would want them to. But then we find ourselves in, in, in a moment of crossroads where I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how this will be. And what God's after is not for us to figure it out, but what God's after is for us to open our heart to His will. And then let him have full control of the situation, have full control of our hearts, have full control of our lives. If we're going to make room, we have to open our heart. But here's another thing Joseph did. Joseph then obeyed, he chose to obey God no matter what. Chose to obey God no matter what. He woke up from the dream, and he says he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary to eventually become his wife. Here's the thing about obedience. Obedience does not mean perfection. Obedience doesn't mean you get it right all the time. Obedience doesn't mean that you knock it out of the park all day, every day. Obedience doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. Consider the, the, our, our line of life. Our line of life is going to have dips. It's going to have climbs. It's going to have twists. It's going to have turns. But it all comes down to the, to the direction in which our life is going. Obedience means going in the same direction no matter what for life. It means you know that's the way to go. And you're going to keep going in that direction no matter what you face. No matter how many dips there are, how many turns there are, how many climbs there are, how many obstacles there may be, how many situations that occur that weren't our plans, that weren't our thoughts, that weren't our thing. And it's about keeping going in the same direction. I would imagine Joseph probably was struggling with, with this part about obeying the Lord no matter what because maybe he was wrestling with how in the world am I going to teach the Son of God anything? How am I going to raise this child who is from heaven, who's not mine, who has the title of Messiah for one? How am I going to teach him anything in this world? I'm just a carpenter. I'm just me. And if I do this, if I say yes to this, Lord, and I go through with this, I'm going to have a hard time just kind of walking it out because I, I, I feel like I'm not going to measure up. I feel like I'm going to make too many mistakes. I don't feel like I'm going to get it right enough times. And God wasn't looking for Joseph to get it right all the time. God is not looking for you and I to be perfect in this life. He's looking for us to be obedient to Him. I think one thing, this thought occurred to me, that Joseph taught Jesus one thing 
I was thinking about this. Years later, as Jesus has grown and he's preaching and doing his thing, and he was in this temple one day in John chapter 8, and he was teaching, and, and it said these religious folks brought this lady in who was caught in the act of adultery, and there's another sermon for another day, but what they asked him was, hey, the law says we should stone her. What do you think? And you remember the part of the story, it said that Jesus knelt down, and he began to kind of take his finger and write something in the dirt. There's been a lot of theories out there, what he wrote and all this stuff, but I'll add my two cents in, and I think maybe Joseph taught him this one thing as they were growing, as he was growing, and he was parenting him. He was maybe told Jesus one day or a few times, son, I can call you son, right? Yeah, okay. Son, I know you probably know more than me, you know, being God's son and all, but you're going to find yourself in, in a predicament sometimes in life where you're not going to really know exactly what to do. You're going to find yourself at a crossroads. People are going to be asking you, what do you think? And here's what I suggest you take time to do. Because I, I kind of went through this about, well, you're 12 now, about 12 years ago. When I didn't know what to do, I had to stop at the crossroads and take a time out. And when you find yourself in those moments, take a moment. Stoop down if you need to. Heck, just draw you a map or something in the dirt. Maybe remember some things and write some things down. That'll give you some time to pray and consider what you should do. Now, I don't know if they had that conversation or that life lesson, but it kind of seems fair that they would have some kind of similar conversation as Joseph was his earthly father. And Joseph did find himself at a crossroads once with wondering, should Jesus really be his or not? And he took a time out and he considered what he should do. And later on in life, Jesus did that. He stopped, wrote in the ground, kneeled down and wondered, what should I tell these people? Well, his answer ended up leading to that lady's forgiveness and her freedom and showing those people that they really didn't know what they were talking about. Obeying the Lord sometimes is the only way we're actually going to learn to do anything. It's, obedience is not about having to know it all, but it's about walking through it and figuring it out. Because you see, the Word of God tells us over and over in a lot of different ways, hey, the Word of God tells me to pray, I'm going to pray. I don't even know what to pray. The Bible says in Romans that the Holy Spirit will pray through us, giving us groanings and, 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 and things that are too deep for even words to have. And, but the Holy Spirit will pray through us. That, the Word of God tells us to pray, I'm going to pray. The Word of God tells me to encourage somebody. I, I, I might need encouragement, but I'm going to find a way to encourage somebody else because God's Word tells me to do that. The Word of God tells me to, to have courage and to be strong. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have that because God's Word tells me to have that. God's Word tells me to love people that I don't want to love, but I'm going to love them anyway because God's Word tells me to love people. Uh, God's Word tells me to, to forgive others, and, and if I want forgiveness, I need to also extend it myself. And so the, God's Word tells me to do it. I'm just going to do it. God's Word tells me to give and, uh, and give and to serve, and 
I don't really know that I have much to offer or what I can even contribute, but because he tells me to do it, I'm just going to say, you can count on me to be there and to do that. God's word tells me to worship. I'm going to worship the Lord. There are things that God's word tells us to do that sometimes we all don't feel like doing it. How many times have we found ourselves in a place in our mind and in our heart where we just don't really feel like doing what God says, we have a decision. Will we still obey God no matter what? And friends, that's tough. But if we're going to make room for Christ, then we have to be willing to obey the Lord even when it's tough. It's one thing to obey him when it's our thought too, right? <laughs> when it's our idea as well. Oh, I had this idea, God. He's like, yeah, that's my idea. You should do that. It's a lot easier most of the time to do it that way. But when it's not our idea and God tells us or shows us, you're like, oh, oh, yeah. But Joseph was preparing room for Jesus in his life, and he had to obey or he had to make the decision, will I or won't I? And he ultimately did. The last point here. Everybody with me this morning? The last point is this. In preparing him room. M. Joseph decided to move forward with Christ. That portion of the story ends with, G- with Joseph when Jesus was born naming him he named him when you name something you become invested when you put it when you name something you name, a, you name a pet you name a child you name a doll you name a car if you do that you whatever you become invested in that object. Joseph became invested in Jesus because he named him. In other words, he went all in with Jesus and from that moment forward, he was going to move forward with this Christ child. You know, God wants our lives to move forward where he wants us to be. That oftentimes we can get stuck in life. Maybe at this season of Christmas, you're facing some unforeseen trials. You have a lot of pressure. Or maybe you've just got some memories of life that this time of the year is just not the greatest. God wants to help move our life forward. Consider what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 3. In verse 13, he says, I focus on this one thing. He's saying that on the after he has said, I haven't arrived. I haven't gotten all the way there yet. I haven't, I haven't been perfected. I, I haven't made it. Most would argue, like, really, Paul? You've, like, written all these letters to the churches, 
You founded all of these churches. You've traveled around the known world. You've preached the gospel. You've raised people up to serve the Lord. Really? You haven't arrived yet? I think you've done something. He goes, yeah, but I still haven't made it. He said, I focus on this one thing. And he actually says more things. He says, I focus on forgetting the past. Notice his words. I focus on forgetting the past. Sometimes we just have to be intentional about forgetting things in the past. That we know were not good for us. That we know that was not a part of who God wanted us to be, but it's what we went through. Forgetting the past. What part of your past do you need to forget? Because God is really good at forgetting. He's so good at forgetting. He's so good at forgetting. He's so good at that. But Paul reminds us that we also have to get good at focusing on forgetting the past. Because the past, friends, especially if it's nasty and ugly and dark and heavy or whatever, it it has a way of holding us back. Then he says, I focus on this one thing. I I look forward to what lies ahead. You know, it's impossible to look forward and backwards at the same time. Even though maybe your mother's told you growing up they have eyes in the back of their head. It is, it's true. Kids, it's true. But it's also impossible to look forward and backwards at the same time. Which way are you going to look this Christmas? Are you going to always look back? Or are you going to be determined? If I'm going to make room for Christ in my life, in my home, in my family, you have to look forward to what lies ahead. Because looking forward to what lies ahead gives us hope. It gives us hope. Then he says, I focus on this one thing. I press on. I press on. That tells us something. That tells us we got to put forth the effort. That tells us we have to have action. The Bible tells us in James that faith without works is dead. We have to have some action in our steps. Moving forward requires us to press on. Then he says this, I focus on this one thing. I want to receive that prize. You know, the greatest gift that God wants to give us is eternal life in his son, Jesus Christ. And on this earth, he wants, us to, he wants to give us a brand new life with a clean heart, with a liberated soul, and with a clear conscience. That's possible. But if we're going to make room, then we have to be willing to move forward and not stay stuck where we are. And in closing, I want to read you One of my favorite quotes by C.S. Lewis. He said, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. He is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers and making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. 
But God is building a palace that he intends to come and live in himself. What do you think about your life? Some of the more modest ones of us would think, I'm okay with having just to be in a nice little cottage that God sits in. But God is interested in completely rearranging our life. Not to make us uncomfortable, but so that he can have all the space and access he deserves. Because there are parts of our heart, our house, that we don't want anybody going to. There are parts in us that we don't want to talk about. There are parts of us that we just rather keep closed off. But you see, when we begin to just make room for Christ to come in, He knocks down walls. He breaks through doors. He puts a window where there was a brick wall. He builds a garden where there once was full of lead, or full of weeds. You see, God's intention, God's design for us is so much greater. So much greater. A house full of light, a house full of life, a house full of laughter, a house full of joy, a house full of hope, a house full of peace, a house full of freedom, what do you think? What clutter do we need to move and remove today? What do you think? What, what's, in, what's in our heart today that's closing out what God wants to open? What do you think? Or where are we just refusing to obey the Lord? What do you think? What, what, keeps, what keeps you from moving forward? What is it today that that makes it seem impossible to move forward. You know, the Bible tells us in another story of the birth of Christ that to Mary that with God, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible with God to those that believe. You take that word impossible and you break it down, it says, I'm possible. God thought that much about you that he came in the form of his son Jesus as a baby. He says, you're possible. You're possible. Oh, yeah, that hope in you, I put it there. Oh, yeah, by the way, that dream, I put it there. Oh, yeah, that goal of yours, I put it there. That inspiration in you, I put it there. That gift on the inside of you, I put it there. That laughter down in there where you haven't laughed in 12 years, I put it there, and it's time to laugh again. That smile on your face, you're so much prettier when you smile than when you frown. Why don't you just smile? Because I put it there. Oh, I know what you feel like inside, but what I have for you out here is me coming inside you and letting me have room. Would you stand to your feet today?